0: You will never be able to stand before God on that day and say, God, I didn't make it because I went to a church that ha- and I had pastors that were deceivers and liars and never told me the truth. You will never be able to stand before God and say, God, I went to a church where the leadership was corrupt. And all they told us was what we wanted to hear you will have no excuse. You're in a church where God speaks to us and is one of those in your face. I would challenge you. I would challenge you. Pastors don't do this, but I'm going to give you the blessing. Take one Sunday off and go visit a church. Take one Sunday off, go visit another church. Oh. Now, there's no pastor in Lehigh Valley going to tell you that. Are you cr- crazy? This is absurd. I'm telling you, take one Sunday off, go visit another church. Just let us know so we can pray blessings over your life. Father, bless them as they go to that church. And if the visit to that church is to open up their eyes and to open up their hearts so that they would have a greater appreciation for where you place them, then let it be. If the visit to that church is because They're not supposed to be here. They're supposed to be over there, and here they're in hindrance. Then let it be, whatever. But as a pastor, it's crazy for me to tell you this, but I'm telling you, take a Sunday. Now, don't everybody take next Sunday. We need people here. If you want, we make a schedule. Call us up. We'll put it on the calendar. You tell us what day you want to go, and we'll tell you, Not too many families are going to take that Sunday. But take a Sunday and go visit churches in this valley. And I can assure you, and I'm not saying this out of pride and boasting. I can assure you, you won't find many that will speak to you a word that will challenge you to grow, to mature, to understand that Christianity as is in my life, in your life, is not suffice, is not pleasing to God. Not many churches are going to tell you that. A lot of them are going to stroke you. And they're going to speak to you words that are tickling to your ears. And they're going to share with you stuff. And you're going to hear the things you want to hear. But you're not going to receive what you need. And so this is what God has called us to do. It's not an easy task, it's not an easy ministry. Because we are a minority in the midst of what goes on in church today, in Christianity, especially in this, in this nation. But I'm not here to grow numbers. I'm here to grow people. My interest is not to grow numbers. My interest is that you would grow and that I would grow, that we would grow together, that when the trumpet sounds, if not 100%, at least 99.9% of the people that God placed under Pastor Margie and my care and under the care of these elders, that 99.9% of them are right by our side, entering the gates of heaven and hearing all of us The same word, well done, my good and faithful servant. That is all that matters to me. And if I'm left with 20, and those 20 go to heaven with me, I was the most successful minister on the planet. So that's all I care about. So God is speaking to us this morning. We say we want more God. But do we really want more of God is the question. That's what these songs really were were speaking about. And that's what God was speaking through Tammy. We say we want more of God, but do we really want more of God? Because if we want more of God, I think the kids, are the kids gone? Is there children's ministry? All right. Personally, I would say take the nursery and the Florida, whatever, Florida, Six, and those other kids, maybe I would keep them here. But that's that's just me. Do whatever you feel you need to do. I know that by the time I was six years old, I was in church, getting the word of God, getting filled with the Holy Spirit. I was in the main service. We were in the main. We didn't have children's church back then. We didn't have nursery. Kids fell asleep underneath the bench. No podemos seguir relajando con Dios, hermano. Este jueguito tiene que parar. Porque si seguimos con este juego, va a sonar la trompeta y vamos a mirar para los lados y vamos a entender que muchos se desaparecieron y nosotros jugando el jueguito de religioso nos quedamos y nos fuimos para el mismo infierno. Lo digo en español porque yo creo que este es para alguien latino. Esta palabra es para alguien hispano. No podemos seguir relajando con las cosas de Dios y tomando las cosas de Dios en poco. Dios nos está llamando a una separación. Dios nos está llamando a una seriedad. Y es nuestro deber de responder. Dios nos to a una separación y a una seriedad. Y es nuestro deber responder. Aquí hay gente que se han criado en la iglesia. Inclusive yo y mi esposa nos criamos en la iglesia. Yeah, people here that grew up in the church, we've never tasted the world in the sense of going out and being full-blown sinners. Yeah, we were sinners, but we didn't go out there. We didn't get high. We didn't get... We've been in the house of God since we were born. And yet, as we've grown older, se nos ha metido una poca vergüenza. Yo digo, pero ¿de dónde salió esto? I'm speaking Spanish now, right? Okay, let me, you're translating? Okay. So let me say, we've grown up in the house of, the, in the house of God. We've grown up in the ways of the Lord. And as we got older, we've gotten, all of a sudden we've gotten this stupidities, foolishness that we've embraced. And we look back and we say, this is not what we were taught. This is not the way we were raised. And so what we did is we broke away from legalism. And instead of finding the path, we went to the other way. To the other extreme of liberalism. And now we serve God in our terms. Before we used to live in the church, before we used to go to services sometimes five, six, seven days a week, now we can't even show up in the house of God one day but Sunday. And then we put every, and this is not a racial comment. It's just a comment that I've used before. So if anybody's black here, this is not insulting you, but we choose every cotton pick and excuse. if there's anybody that worked in the fields, this is not trying to insult you. It's just a phrase. We should choose any kind of excuse to justify our actions. And God is calling this church to a separation. God is calling us to a place of seriousness. God wants to manifest his glory. He wants to make this church a lighthouse. Even in the midst of the Christian community, he wants to make this church a lighthouse and set it as an example because we know what it is to seek God we've had seasons of passionate seeking passionately seeking god and surrendering and humbling ourselves we've had seasons where all that mattered to us was holiness so we've tasted and we've seen how good it is but in many ways we have been distracted and we have gone in many ways and separated ourselves like jeremiah said i said that i used that verse last sunday stop in all the ways and ask not for the good way but for the good path for the right path And I said last Sunday, ways are highways. Ways are paved roads. Ways are comfortable. They accommodate a lot, but paths are not. Usually paths are not paved. Usually paths are narrow. And Jesus said that his way is narrow and few will enter through his way. The ways of the world, the ways of the world are wide, but the path to God and to heaven is narrow and few will enter. And so God is calling us to come back to the old path so that we can experience his glory. So that we will really sing these songs and mean them. I want more of you, God. This is not part of the message, but I want you to go to Philippians chapter 4. Not part of the message. I was just reading it while I was, while they were worshiping, I felt led to read the scripture. It's connected to what we were preaching last week. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, which Paul says, I beg you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy, acceptable, pleasing unto God, which is your rational service. And to not conform to the pattern of the world, but to be transformed by the renewal of your mind. This verse in Philippians, and if you have a Bible, I want you to open it. If you have a pen, I want you to take it out. Or if you have a highlighter. Because not everything that God wants you to understand from these verses, you're going to get it right now. Some of this, you're going to get it in your own personal devotion. So it's good for you to highlight it. This is Paul speaking. I'm going to go to verse 4. He says, rejoice in the Lord when? Always. And just to make sure you understand the importance of rejoicing in the Lord always, again I say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness, there's other versions that says, let your gentleness or let your kindness be known to everyone. Now, how many know that we're living in a day and age where kindness is, is what you call a a product that you don't have enough of, is limited, is in limited portions right now. We're living in a day where it's hard to find kindness. It's hard to find gentleness. We're living in a day where people are nasty. Even in the church, people get nasty. People have got attitudes. The church is split. The church is divided. What, what's happening in the nation has started in the church. The church precipitated what's going on in the nation. We have become unkind and ungentle to one another. We have conformed to getting little groups and little cliques that we hang out, and, 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 and everyone that doesn't belong to that clique, we treat them with a cold shoulder. One of the problems we have with the young people here, and I'm talking to the youth, is that they find it difficult even fellowshipping with one another. So they always hang out with the same person. They always have the same friend. And so you get new kids coming in, but they're not open to... Now this is not a problem only with the youth. this is a problem also with us adults, the church. We've lost our sense of reasonableness. We've lost our sense of kindness, of gentleness. And Paul is saying, "Listen, let your kindness, let your reason, reasonableness, let your uh, generosity, let your goodness, let it be known by all. Both believers and non-believers. People should know us based on how we are treating them with kindness, with reasonableness. So let your kindness be known to all, to everyone. And then he goes on to say this is the reason why you got to do all this, it's because the Lord is at, he's what? What does that mean? The Lord is at hand. What does that mean? Near. The Lord is here. Near, near. The Lord is near. The Lord is coming, and His coming is closer now than it was then. And because of that, because the Lord is near, because the Lord is at hand, the more reason why we should be practicing kindness, generosity, gentleness, love, every good word. And every good characteristic that would fall under that word reasonableness, we should be practicing it. We should be manifesting it. We should be sharing it. It should be visible. It should be tangible. People should be able to see us. And in the midst of a world and of a culture and a society that's hostile, that's apprehensive, that's suspicious, when we're around, people should feel like they can let down their guard and they can trust us and they can receive what is it that we want to share with them. Sometimes we want to evangelize and we want to witness, but we don't have the right attitude. How could you go and evangelize and witness to someone about salvation when your house is falling down? How can you go and speak to someone about kindness and about gentleness when you don't demonstrate that in your home with your children or with your spouse. And you know we're living in a world where they can see right through you. This world is much more savvier than the world I was growing up in. People were more innocent back then and in many ways more ignorant. Today, in this day and age, people are savvy. They know the real from the fake. And so it's difficult for us to demonstrate gentleness and reasonableness and kindness when we're evangelizing, if that's not coming out purely from our lifestyle, but it's just us putting on a show to try to win someone to the kingdom. Amen? So because the Lord is at hand, because the Lord is near, we should be doing these things. And then he goes on to say, because the Lord is near... Do not be somebody anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And so I can tell if you're really waiting on the Lord, and if you if you if you have the understanding that Christ is near, that his coming is near, based on how you react. To conflict based on how you react in crisis, the Bible says, "Do not be anxious, because the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious for anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God." And this is what's going to happen. This is the result of all of this. Again, let's, let's go back. We have made the decision to conduct ourselves and live our lives. With generosity, with kindness, with goodness, with love, that is so tangible that people are able to see it in us because we understand that the Lord is at hand, the Lord is near. In other words, the rapture is about to take place. So we we made this decision to live our lives in such a way that the world will be able to see what they don't see out there. Okay? Because the Lord is near, we've made a choice. Not to let anxiety take the best of us. Now, how many experience anxiety? I do. It's not not a problem when you become anxious. The problem is when you give authority, when you give power to that anxiety. And so what he's saying is when you experience that anxiety, make your prayers and your supplications be known unto the Lord. Because the Lord is at hand. He's near. And then on top of that, then he goes on to say... When you do this, the result is that the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and what else? And your minds in Christ. It will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ. And then he goes on to say, verse eight, finally brothers, whatever is true whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Now, how many people have struggles in your mind, thoughts come to your mind that you know they're not from God? Thoughts of feeling inferior, thoughts of feeling insufficient, And a lot of times those thoughts are tied to words that were spoken into our lives or traumas that we went through, some of us as as children. And so those traumas and those words that have been spoken over us negatively have clung to our subconscious. And though at times we forget about those things, but there's things that will trigger them. And the devil will bring it from our subconscious to our conscience, and he begins to torment us and make us, and try to make us believe that we are what we were told we were, that we're losers, that we're good for nothing, that we will never succeed, that we are sinners, that we're still bound by the sins of the past because we're still attracted to those same temptations. And so the devil will take that, and he will bring it to our conscience, and he'll begin to torment us and attack us. And so what Paul is saying, when that happens, because you know the Lord is near and your mind needs to stay focused on the fact that the Lord is near, what you need to do is shift gears. Anybody's driven standard? You know that if you drive your car on first gear on a highway, (laughs) no, 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 you got to shift gears. And when you hear that second gear going, you got to shift to the third gear and shift to the fourth gear until the car is just running smooth. <sighs> See, some of us, we don't move ahead in God because we haven't shift gears. What God is saying, you need to shift gears. Whenever those thoughts come to your mind, make a decision, make a, make a choice, and that is begin to think on all these things that Paul describes here. You know why some of us can't think on these things? Because we have our minds full of everything else but God. We read and we hear and we receive all kinds of garbage. And we have a lot of garbage, but we don't have enough of God. And so that's why it's difficult for us to bring our minds into thinking what is good, what is acceptable, what is pleasing, what is holy, what is, what is you know... What a commendable. It's hard for us to do that because our minds are so cluttered with so much junk. So it's difficult for us to make that shift. And what God is telling us this morning, if we're going to renew our minds, we're going to have to get rid of a lot of that junk and fill our minds with the Word of God. Amen. Because the Word of God is what's going to empower us to make that shift. When the devil comes like a flood, Amen. God then will raise His Word in us as a banner of victory. And we'll begin to declare the Word of God and the promises of God. And we'll begin to declare. Over the devil, and we'll begin to refuse what it is that the devil's trying to hold on us. Amen. And we will get to that place where we'll be able to say, like Jesus, listen, Satan no longer has a hold on me. Because my mind now has been renewed. And it's just not a one time renewal. I'm renewing it every day. I'm getting the word of God into my mind every day. The other morning I woke up, it was three in the morning. And I was tempted to turn on the TV, or I was tempted to turn to the other side and go back to sleep. And all of a sudden, I hear the spirit of God, intimacy, intimacy. Remember, you want intimacy. And I'm like, oh, God, man, but I could use another two hours of sleep. Intimacy. I'm longing. What is it? Intimacy, I'm longing. Something like that. The song says, intimacy. And so I had to get my little lazy rear out of my bed, and I had to go downstairs so I don't bother Pastor Margie. And I go downstairs, and I sit. I couldn't kneel down, so I sat, and I just began to meditate on God. And then I turned on the TV, not to watch anything, but to watch the Word of God. And I begin to hear messages by David Wilkerson on the Holy Spirit. Three in the morning. And I begin to, to look and do research. Where is God moving? What is uh, what is happening in places where God is moving right now? And I began to see, I began to cry. And I said, oh, God, that's what I want. This is why you want me in these moments where you're calling me to, for me to go into into You cannot, you will never be able to have control of your minds and of your thoughts until you made a commitment to become intimate with God. We're intimate with everything, we've embraced everything, we've accepted everything, but we have no intimacy with God, because we think that relationship with God, we could keep it, you were saying something about it at a distance, right? <laughs> I want you in close proximity, but not too close, because I don't want conviction when I want to do something that my flesh wants to do. I don't want you to convict me, so stay close, so that when something happens and I need you, I can have you near enough. And so God is not going to settle for that kind of relationship with us. He wants intimacy. He wants us to be intimate with him. He wants us to take time with him on a daily basis. He wants us to get filled with the word of God. He wants us to start cutting back on everything else that's distracting us. And when we start doing. That Then we start to manifest, listen, we are aware that the fact that the Lord is near, and because the Lord is near, I am disciplining myself, I am committing myself, amen, to renew my mind, to allow the Spirit of God to be in control, and no longer give my flesh that power. And as I do, then you begin to experience victory over these thoughts, over these attacks of the enemy in your life. Amen? Make sense? I didn't go into the message that I was supposed to go in from last week, but let's read verse number nine from that same chapter four, Philippians, verse number nine. Now, this is another result of when we, when we put God first. When we understand that he's coming, and because of that, we are following these instructions that the Apostle Paul has given us under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. This is another result. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Now, I believe there's a lot of people here that have heard in this place, in this church, that have learned, that have received and that have seen. So they're good at that. Their problem is they can't practice what they have heard, what they have learned, what they have received, and what they've seen. And so that's why you got many people in the church that though they serve God, they're not at peace. They're under consistent and continual demonic attack. They can't sleep right. They can't eat right. They can't have good relationships. They're not at peace. Why are they not at peace? Because they've heard, they've seen, they've learned. And what else this says there? They've heard, they've seen, they've learned. What was that? Practice. But they didn't practice. And because they didn't practice, they're not putting it into practice. They're not experiencing the peace that comes if you follow these instructions. And so God is telling us this morning, listen, I'm calling you. I'm coming into this place and I'm showing up. And sometimes you don't even know I'm here because you're so far away. Because you've kept me at at, at a distance. You don't even know I'm here, but I'm showing up. I want to give you a transformation experience, but you can't simply settle for what you experienced here on Sunday morning. You have to leave this place and you have to Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. You have to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. You have to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. And in presenting your bodies as a living sacrifice, you can't be conformed to this world. I think I read this verse last Sunday, but I'll read it again. First Corinthians 2.14, it says, But the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. And so, how is it that God gets what he wants from us? When we make these decisions, not conform to the world, not conform to the pattern of the world, not copying the behaviors and the customs of this world, not modeling our behaviors after our contemporaries, but submitting ourselves to the will of God. Now, the will of God is what he desires for us. This is the will of God. This is what he desires for us. Our will not always is what we, des- what we need but it's also what we desire for us. Now, what God desires for us, if our desire is not in alignment with his will, which is what he desires for us, then we pursue what we desire. And what happens is our will is connected to choices. We make choices. God doesn't have to make a choice. God is perfect. He already established what needed to be established, and he doesn't have to change anything because he doesn't change. He's unchangeable. And so God's will is perfect. You don't have to make a choice and you don't have to change anything. And his will, his perfect will is to, that we would grow, that we will be blessed, that we will be saved, that we will be whole. That's his perfect will, that we will walk in his purposes and in his divine, amen, purpose for our lives so that we can live a life that is productive, that is successful, that, that bears fruit. Amen. That's God's will for us. But our will, if it's not connected to the will of God, our will is based on choices. And so if we don't choose to follow the will of God and we choose to follow our own will, which has been already corrupt by our sinful nature, then we could be serving God or thinking we're serving God. And yet... What we're doing is serving self. And so that's not that's not the actions of someone who understands the importance of submitting to the will of God and of submitting to the transformation that comes through the renewal of the mind. Amen? Amen? All right. Now, important, we must change the way that we think. Behind everything you do is a thought. Every behavior is motivated by a belief, and every action is prompted by an attitude. Let me repeat that. Behind everything you do, there's a thought. Nothing that you do, you did it thoughtless. That's why we can't use the excuse, the devil made me do it. Sorry, don't work here. devil ain't making you do anything you don't want to do. If you did it, the devil might have initiated the temptation, but it was you that chose to fall to it. So the devil can't make you do what you don't want to do. Behind everything you do, there is a thought, and every behavior is motivated by a belief. Now, how many here believe that Christ is coming and that his coming is very near? Do you really believe it? Everybody that believes that Christ is near... I'm saying, I'm serious. Don't feel embarrassed if you, some people might think, you know, I've been hearing this since I was a kid and my parents heard this since they were kids. And so that's, so, I mean, I believe Christ is coming, but I don't necessarily believe that he's near. I think he's still a ways away. So if you don't really, if that's the way you feel, you don't have to raise your hand. But if you really believe that Christ is near and you really believe that the trumpet can sound at any moment and you really believe that every prophecy has been fulfilled, that there's nothing that's waiting to be fulfilled as far as the rapture is concerned. There's prophecies that are pending to be fulfilled because they relate to Israel. They don't relate to us. And so those prophecies, they have no bearing on the rapture. Everything that needed to be fulfilled for the rapture to take place has already been fulfilled. The only thing that Christ is waiting for is for the church to align herself with his will. Because if he came now, he would hardly have a church to raise. Or maybe he would raise them from South America, Central America some places in Europe, but if he was to raise a church from the United States, it would be a very minimal group. Now he's saying, Pastor, how could you say that? How could you? I could say it because the Bible says that we judge by the fruits that we see, and the fruits that we see in this nation are not, <laughs> are not godliness. And again, a nation goes as a church goes. So if the nation is in kaputs, that means the church is in kaputs. And so everything for the rapture has been fulfilled. All God is waiting for us to align ourselves. And so if we believe, raise your hand if you believe Christ is coming. And you believe he's near. So then your actions, let me take off my jacket. Your actions should be motivated by what you believe. I'm talking to you, but not only talking to you, I'm talking to everybody else, just that. We can't raise our hands and say we believe Christ is near, and yet our actions and the way we live our lives is as though his coming was still far away. It's impossible for us to say Christ is coming, and we believe it, and conduct ourselves in a manner that is contrary to what we believe. What I'm saying with that is that, you might say you believe it, but inside you don't, because your actions are a product of what you believe. Hallelujah. Now, let me ask you a question. What if, what if Jesus decided to come Ronnie, you understand what I'm saying, right? What if Jesus decided to come on a Wednesday between the hours of 6.30 and 8.30? Yeah. Wouldn't that be something? Yeah. Now, would you, do you think it would wash with him? When you know that your responsibility as a believer is to be in the house of God, and every time the people of God assemble, and you've made a commitment to be a part of this assembly, your responsibility is to be in the house of God. Would you think it would wash before God, you telling him, well, you know something, God, you know, I got home late from work, and I'm tired, and, and I haven't ate dinner, or, or I got to go to work early in the morning, and I need my sleep, and then he comes between 6.30 and 8.30, and you ain't sleeping, but you're indulging in whatever it is that pleases your flesh. Do you think, do you believe that that would make you ready? Do you think, you, if you told Jesus, "Jesus, I work too long, I work too much on Wednesdays, and I can't make it to church, what if he decided to come Wednesday from 6.30 to 8.30? Would he find you doing what he's called you to do? Now, What if he came on a Saturday or Friday? Because it's not only about coming to church. It's about us. If we believe that he's coming, then our actions should be conducive and should be connected to what we believe. That's what the Apostle Paul wrote there. Not him. The Holy Spirit. He was only the scribe writing It was the Holy Spirit that was dictating to him what God expects from us. If we believe that Christ is coming, then we ought to be about his business. And that should be the primary purpose. And that should be at the forefront of what we do. Now, if Christ was to come on a Wednesday, and you were in the basketball court, when you know that as a child of God who believes that Christ is coming, you should be seeking for every opportunity to be in the presence of God and with the people of God, do you think that it would be acceptable to him for you? To, God, I'm sorry. I didn't go to church. Man, I just needed to play some basketball. I needed to, I needed to man, I needed to get this off my chest. I needed to play some sports. I need to, do you believe that that would be acceptable to God? Now, I know some of you are looking at me like I'm crazy. And like pastor's lost it, he's become a legalistic, religious fanatic. But I'm not. I'm telling you the word, what the Word of God says. Our actions should be based on what we believe. And so if we believe that Christ is coming, we should be pursuing the things of God. We should be drawn closer to God rather than drawing further away from God. We should be decluttering our lives of everything else that has taken Room in our lives and allows a limited room for God to move in our lives. We should be opening, amen, our lives and and exposing ourselves and saying, Holy Spirit, come and remove from me all of this desires that I have to do this foolish stuff that has no eternal... Amen. Eternal uh, uh, results or eternal value. Amen. Remove it and help me once again to understand the things that should be most valuable to me as someone that belongs to you, as someone that believes that you're coming. Help me once again to embrace the things that are valuable. Now, you can't do this on your own, folks. It's got to be the Holy Spirit. You can't do this because pastor's telling you. It's got to be the Holy Spirit. The renewal of the mind produces in us spiritual maturity. Now, how many know that there's a season in our serving God that we should desire the milk? Paul says it. You ought to desire the milk. But Paul never said that you should stay drinking milk all the time. You should mature, mature or mature, whatever, whichever way you want to pronounce it. Some people say mature, some people say mature. But the best way to describe it, you should grow up. Just grow up. And Paul says there's got to come a season in your life as a believer, where well, you no longer settle for milk, but now you're asking for, try to give your six-year-old kid, your eight-year-old kid, your 10-year-old kid a bottle of milk at the time of lunch, breakfast, and dinner to see if they'd be satisfied with that. If they do, something's wrong. Because as the body evolves and develops... It demands something that's more solid. That's the same thing with us as being followers of Christ. We should desire the meat of the word of God. We should desire to grow. And so when we renew our minds through the word of God, when we renew our minds and and, and surrender our lives as a living sacrifice, we allow the Holy Spirit to produce in us spiritual growth, spiritual maturity. Spiritual growth is the process of replacing lies with truth. First Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, it says, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I rationed or I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. So, renewing the mind produces in us spiritual growth. We replace lies with truth. Remember what I said before? When the devil comes to you with the lies... You counter it with the truth of God's word, and that cuts, it stops the devil from tormenting you. It keeps him from telling you you should kill yourself, you should commit suicide, you're worth nothing. When you get your mind filled with the word of God and those thoughts come, You counter those thoughts with the word of God that you have filled your mind with, you have renewed your mind with, and you begin to declare to the devil the promises of God. And you begin to declare to the devil, I am no longer a pauper. I'm a child of the king. I am no longer what I used to be. I've been set free. I am no longer the sinner that I was. You might be bringing up my sins, but those sins have been washed by the blood of Christ. I've been redeemed, amen, by the blood of the lamb, amen. And you begin to to counter the devil's attack, amen, with the truth of God's word, and of God's promises over your life and you'll see how that attack of the enemy will immediately cease doesn't mean he won't come back he'll come back he came back to Jesus every time he used the word he came back three or four times to Jesus and every time he used but every time Jesus used the word out of here because if there's one thing the devil can't stand it's truth That's why I'm, I'm, I'm getting, like, I'm getting nauseated now. I'm feeling nauseating with politics because they're so full of lies. Everything. Politics, I don't care who you, who, who's your party and who's, all of them are full of lies. And then the media has become a puppet of lies. I don't care what channel. It could be Fox, it could be CNN, it could be MSNBC. They're all full of lies. That's why if we need something now is the truth of God's word. What we need to do is get into the word of God and believe the truth of God's word because if we continue to fill our minds with the lies of the world, with the lies of politicians, amen, we fall into that trap and we begin to believe lies as though they were truth. God wants us to believe the truth. God wants us to sustain on the truth. God wants us to profess the truth. God wants us to use the truth as a weapon to overcome the devil and all of his attacks and all of his onslaught. And when we use the truth of God's word, amen, the sword of the spirit is the word of God is the only weapon in the armor of God that is for the offense or for offense and it's for offense too the devil feels offended when you use the word of God so not only do you do offense on him but you offend him I'm tired of offending the Holy Spirit I'm tired of grieving the Holy Spirit I'm tired of offending God I want to turn this thing around. I want to start offending the devil. I want to get him angry. I want to get him mad. I want to piss him off with all due respect. And you piss him off every time he comes to attack you. And you take the word of God and you say, devil, you might be saying this, but this is what the word of God says. (laughs) This is what God has declared me. I'm no longer a slave. I'm a child. I'm royalty. I'm a royal priesthood. I'm part of a holy nation. I am a child of God. I've been adopted into the family of God. I am joint heir, co-heir with Jesus Christ. That means that whatever inheritance he gets as the only begotten son of God, I got as the adopted son. Oh, God. The word of God. If every time you felt like smoking, if every time you felt like drinking, if every time you felt like smoking, the... The funny cigarettes, or if every time you felt like turning on a porn, my God, I think I'm hitting a nerve now. Or if every time you you looked at the lady that was not yours and you caught yourself desiring her, and you, if every time you felt that you you rebuked the devil, I rebuke your flesh in the name of Jesus. As a matter of fact, I'm going to look the other way. With all due respect, ladies, we're flesh. Ladies, respond to affection. Men, touch. You don't have to be affectionate with me. You don't have to show me no affection. Just touch me the wrong way. Hey, I'm not here to pull pull no wool over your eyes. That's the truth about men. That's been psychologically proven. A lot of what we do is based on Touch, feeling, what the eye sees. Women don't get, they don't fall so easily, at least. Oh, today, I just don't know, (laughs) because girls have changed from the days I was growing up, oh my God. Like back then, it was the guy pursuing, now it's the girls pursuing. And they don't only pursue single guys, they pursue married men. I mean, this is the trend today. We respond to touch. Now, if I touch this guy and this guy touch me, Ain't doing nothing to me other than praise God. Now, I, this is a, a gentle, brotherly touch. And so I'm not saying that we shouldn't embrace, I'm not saying that we shouldn't, but it should always be with a holy embrace. And whenever you feel that you're embracing someone from the opposite set and it's triggering you a reaction, men, I'm talking to you, men. I'm talking to my posse now, I'm talking to the boys. Whenever you embrace someone that's not your wife and is of the opposite sex and you feel that there's a reaction that you're getting from that that's not God, God, the spirit of God that's in you lets you know immediately. And what you need to do is pull away. Because God forbid if I was to embrace one of God's daughters that's not my wife and I was to give in to a natural reaction that we all men have and Give into it, and now it goes from an embrace to a desire or to a fascination. How did I get here? I don't even know how I got. Well, I'm talking about the word of God, I'm talking about when you are when the devil comes to attack you, he knows our flaws and he knows our weakness. I love to preach because I lose weight while I'm preaching, my pants are falling. Amen. So, the word of God, the word of God, that's why it's important, renewing our minds with the word of God, because it works as a weapon against every vial of the enemy, everything that the enemy will use to try to hinder you and keep you from walking in God's purpose, the word of God works as a weapon against it, and it frees the spirit of God, amen, to do in your life and to move in your life the way that God desires, there's so much talent and potential in this room. There's so many callings in this room that are right now hindered. There's so many talents in this room that right now are in the shelf. They're getting, they're, they're, they're getting uh, uh, rust. There's so many callings right now in this room that, are just, that have just been placed in the back burner. And I'm telling you, when you stand before God, he's going to call you to account for the talents and the callings that he placed over your life. And that you wasted your time being entertained by everything else but God. It's time for us to wake up, folks. I didn't even preach what I was going. I didn't finish the message, and I'm not going to finish it now. This was a Sunday to finish. It's done. <laughs> Whatever it is is. But God is calling us to a greater separation. God is calling to a greater s- s- uh, sanctification. Second Chronicles chapter seven, fourteen. Favorite verse of all of us, right? If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves. Three steps that go along with the renewal of the mind. When we renew our minds and when we offer our body as a living sacrifice, it produces in us humility. If we humble ourselves and we pray and we seek, we turn away from our sin and we seek God's face. Pray and seeking meaning if we become not only humble, but if we become hungry for God. Because only people that are hungry pray and seek. <laughs> if you're not hungry and you're full of, every, of, of yourself or full of anything else and you don't experience that spiritual hunger, you're not going to seek God. You're not going to pray. As a matter of fact, your prayer life begins to dwindle. And your time of intimacy as God begins to dwindle because now you don't have time. You have time for everything else but God. And I'm going to say something this morning. Guys, if I could go and play with you basketball on Mondays, you know I'd be the first one there. And there's a group of guys here that get together to play basketball on Mondays. I love the fact that you're doing life. That's great. But if any of you find the energy to go play basketball on, on Monday, but then you use every foolish excuse not to be in the house of God on Wednesday, then that's becoming your God. And I'm telling you, the rapture will happen and you will stay sitting in the church pew. And you won't run to the mountains and tell the mountains to crawl on you. You're going to run to the basketball court and tell that you're going to curse that basketball court. You're going to curse that baseball field. You're going to curse whatever it is that's taking place in your life and that you give priority that you're willing to sacrifice to do that, which is leisure, but you're willing to use every excuse in the book when it comes to the things of God. If you're doing that, amen, and you're not being faithful to God, then I'm telling you right now, sitting in the church, you're going to go to hell. Plain and simple. Because you can't say you love God. And you're willing to sacrifice. You're giving your body as a living sacrifice for everything but God. How could you say that you're living for God and giving yourself for God when you're willing to sacrifice for everything else but God? And whenever it's God and anything that has to do with God, you put a lame excuse. You could pull the wool over my eyes because I'm as human as you are, but you ain't pulling it over God's eyes. Now, some fool is going to walk out of here this morning and say, Pastor, took the message to blow us up. And Pastor said we shouldn't be playing. Pastor never said you shouldn't play basketball. Pastor said he wished he could play with you. That's what Pastor said. Don't take my words out of context and then use them, amen, to go try to start a fire. Pastor said he wished he could do it with you. But what Pastor's saying is you gotta get your priorities right. If you serve God, you gotta serve God and you gotta serve him wholeheartedly. Does God hate for you to have time of leisure and entertainment? Absolutely not. So long as he's first and foremost in your life. Amen? Amen? And if anybody gets offended, you got double problem. You got offended, now you got to get de, de- offended. Because your offense is not going to change what I say and what I do. I have one master, one boss here that I, that I have to give account to. And what I do when I leave these messages, I go home and tonight I'll eat a good plate of dinner and then I'll go to bed and I'll sleep tonight. Unless the Holy Spirit wakes me up. And while I'm sleeping and snoring, you're offended. So use the fool. Because I ain't I'm just here to tell you the truth. I'm here to speak to you truth. Remember what we said? Renewal of the mind is embracing truth and rejecting lies. I'm challenging you. Receive the truth of God's word. and stop being a dominguero. Poca vergüenza es <laughs> esa. Después que Dios nos ha bendecido. Nos ha dado buenos trabajos. Nos ha dado finanzas. Nos ha dado negocio, Nos ha dado buenas familias. Ahora le decimos a Dios, gracias por bendecirnos. Ahora te veo el domingo, de domingo a domingo te vengo a ver. Como si Dios fuese tu novia. Gloria a Dios. Ahora sí que termino porque ahora esto se puso bravo. Somebody said it in English, I don't remember what everything I said. What did I say? Can you come here? Oh, You're going to take the part anyway. Come here. Come here. Come here. Vente. Sí, ven. That's all right. Forget about your earring. Yanked on my earring when you said that. Okay. <laughs> Tell them what I said, because I don't remember what, everything I said in Spanish. <laughs> that, que that to know so yeah. good, I yanked on my earring. It just like popped out. He said, when did we become Sunday worshipers? Prende. Hello. Right, that's what you yes. said. When do we become Sunday worshipers? We treat God like he's our girlfriend. We treat God like he's our girlfriend. He's to remember now. <laughs> Amen. From Sunday to Sunday, I'll see you, right? Yeah. He's blessed us. He's given us. Wait, oh, 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 that's right. I forgot all of that. He's blessed us with jobs, with finances, with a home, with a family. And you keep counting. And there you because go. Because God's blessings are innumerable. <laughs> blessing us and blessing us and blessing us. And then we're telling God, see you Sunday. See you. Wake see up. Because if you don't. you're going you're gonna to run into that place yeah. when you're going to find out there's no time to change your mind, the sun has come, and you've been left behind. Because if God ain't getting all of you, he don't want any part of you. Right. It's all or nothing. Right? Amen. Amen. All or nothing. <laughs> and and what you're missing on